0: Hey, guys, this is Corey with the podcast. Before we start, we just want to give a huge shout out to all of you guys who listened to the last episode. We had the best numbers we've ever had on the podcast. And for a little podcast in the middle of nowhere in Alaska, that is a huge deal. And we just want to say from the bottom of our hearts, thank you so much. And we hope you guys enjoy what we're putting out and that you keep on listening. Um, with that make sure you're subscribed that's the only way that you can get the episode as soon as we drop it we're actually trying to do something a little bit different than what we did last season where we're watching the episode we're discussing it and we're doing a podcast on it literally hours after the episode launches and then we're uploading it and if you're not subscribed you're not going to get that right away it might even be a day or two later before you actually see it in your inbox so make sure you're subscribed you're going to get our hot take on game of thrones as soon as possible And we hope you guys enjoy the rest of the episodes. And let's get into Game of Thrones. Hello, and welcome to another episode of To Be Perfectly Honest. As always, I'm your host, Corey. And I'm Anel. And today we're talking about episode two out of only six. This is Game of Thrones, and this one's titled A Knight of the Seven Kingdoms. And oh my god, you know, the namesake of this title, that scene, it got me. I was crying. How about you, and L?
1: My favorite. You know who I ship.
0: Brienne of Tarth. Jamie Lannister. You got it. Ride or die. They are glorious. I. This is even better than a sex scene. You know, Arya, Gendry, that was great. A little shocking, but it was still great. This, even better for me.
1: Super Kanye.
0: Oh, my God. Yeah, seriously. Um, So, Anel, overall, this episode, we didn't get any action. This is all prepping up for this enormous battle. What did you think?
1: Who didn't get any action?
0: Oh, I mean, we got some action. <clears throat> Just no White Walker action.
1: Uh, Arya got some action. Gendry got some action. We're about
0: to get some Lannister action.
1: Yep, next next episode, Jamie, <laughs> Jamie and Brienne. Gonna go on their own version of that dragon ride. Oh yeah! Do you wanna train my dragon? Do you wanna ride my lion?
0: Um, you know that we had a lot of stuff in here for it being kind of a bottle episode where we don't have a lot of action and self-contained. You know, a lot of people are describing this kind of like a everyone that we've ever known on Game of Thrones is all together and that they're at like winter camp, you know, or like they're having a big sleepover. And there's a lot of scenes in here that I love, like. There's such fan service, but we also needed them. There's parts of this, though, that they did so well. Um, I think last episode we were talking about, like, how are they going to deal with all this? How are they going to deal with Jamie? How are they going to deal with this rift between Sansa and um, Danny? And we get through this fast. I mean, the expositional part of this is dealt with very fast. Um, We open up and we have, you know, Danny and Jamie going back and forth and everyone stepping up basically to defend Jamie and we, i mean we deal with it it's the first scene amazing yeah. would never have thought i thought that would have been a more a little bit of a bulk of this episode
1: yeah so a lot of it is probably them running short on time they have to get they have to pull the punches
0: yeah definitely you know we do get a lot of little tidbits in here that are just amazing though like when bran is like the things we do for love like oh shit zinga." <laughs> bran just said it um the fact that he, you know, is holding that a little bit over Jamie's head, but at the same time, it's what we thought it was, right? Bran's lived so many lives that aren't in Bran's body anymore. He could give a shit. He hmm. has a bigger plan.
1: Yeah. Bran's not Bran anymore, but um, yeah, he's not as creepy in this episode, is he? No,
0: no, definitely not.
1: I thought he like fell, fell in better. Last episode, yes. he was more like comic relief to me.
0: Yeah, he seems less like a robot staring and just someone that's pissed off now. Which I want more from him, don't get me wrong. But um yeah, definitely. He he's needed he's needed to keep everyone on track, and he's the one who basically is getting, you know, everybody talking besides just Danny going back and forth with Jamie about, Oh, I vowed I was gonna kill you. Well, guess what? Things are a little different, and I'm surprised that Jamie didn't whip out. By the way, uh your dad wanted to murder everybody. Didn't get a little bit of the mad king, what actually happened, hot take.
1: Yeah. And to me it was I mean, it should be pretty obvious to Danny that it's there's a little bit of a double standard there. If she was gonna kill Samuel Tully's Tarley's father mm-hmm. and then her she was gonna crucify Jamie for the same thing. Yeah,
0: exactly. You know, and this is where we have, so eventually everyone st- sticks up for Jamie. Um, we have Brienne of Tarth, obviously, who's like the main person that gets everybody on his side. But we also have John, who's like, we need every man that we can get. And this is like the visible start of where we see John and Danny have a rift between them. And obviously, this is because John knows this news that he is actually a Targaryen and Danny doesn't know this. But it makes this entire episode awkward. And only towards the v- almost very end is when. Finally, we get some relief on that, but um, do we do we get relief? I mean, at least she knows.
1: <laughs> we, yeah, there we go. <laughs> at least
0: she's not like trying to get some. She's you can tell she's like, we could die. Oh, let me go down to the crypts. Oh, let me put my hand on your shoulder. Like
1: he's like, there's no waterfall here. Yeah,
0: seriously, <laughs> I only like dragons' and waterfalls. Okay, and Um, you know another thing that I noticed in here that's kind of crazy too is we have Widow's Whale and we have Oathkeeper both here. We sure do. And those are both swords that were forged from ice. Do you think maybe through some turn of events they might end up being forged back together?
1: I had never thought of that. It doesn't seem very um, conducive for war. I think they have better chances having more of those.
0: Totally. I think we know that a lot of people are going to die coming up, right? I mean, that's the consensus, I think, everywhere. And I'm just wondering if there's a turn of events where both of those swords, one of the people die. I mean.
1: Well, let's rewind for a second. Um, At the beginning in the intro part, I did notice that there was kind of like a fire moat around Winterfell. Mm-hmm. And so I I wonder how much prevention that's going to be. Because we know that the Night's King can just walk right through it, but that might prevent a lot of the- Whites? whites from getting in it might give them an opportunity to shoot those arrows and their arrows everywhere
0: well any of the white walkers though i think are immune to fire correct and there's a lot of generals of white walkers like holy shit at the very end when we zoom out it looks like there's like 30 of them so our theory that there's only ever 10 it looks like that's what craster's babies were going to do (laughs) they are being transformed into white walkers as far as i can tell and quite a few of them I would be scared shitless. But, you know, honestly, we kind of do have to raise the stakes because we have all this dragon glass. Everybody has spears. We have dragons. Like, if it was just a bunch of regular whites, yeah, you know, I can see them feeling like they have the upper hand. But with the amount of white walkers, this is just a different game altogether.
1: Yeah. um, But it seems like they... Just think back to Battle of the Bastards, how they the enemy kind of circled them and then just kept going in and in and in. Um, I could see that happening again.
0: Yeah, definitely. Because the
1: back of Wonderfell is just wide open, just naked.
0: Yeah, it's uh, very obvious when you're looking at the map and you see all the positions and players involved. Um, probably a little oversimplified, I would think, but at the same time, scary. I would not want to be in that situation. I wouldn't want to be in the crypts. I don't want to be anywhere else.
1: Well, thank God Tyrion. I mean, thank God Theon is... Guarding brand because I thank can't thank God. I can't think of a better yeah, well, defense know. than having Theon.
0: You know what? I can't imagine. you know, the only <laughs> thing better than that is probably Sansa having a romantic interest in Tyrion.
1: <laughs> you mean <laughs> or Theon? Theon. <laughs> <laughs> wow, why?
0: You tongue twisted me. Oh, uh, yeah. it sure did. Yeah, that was very weird at that. End. Um, you know, this is also the start of where we're officially everyone's on the same page of like Danny fucking does not like Tyrion. And she's pissed, and now people are actually coming to his defense <laughs> like they're literally like, "Don't kill him, he means well."
1: They're like, "Don't kill him. he's the smartest one we have here.
0: <laughs> Everyone else is a stark.
1: <laughs> he's the brains of this operation <laughs> seriously um i'd be I wouldn't be surprised if something didn't happen to where um Danny didn't take Sansa as Kind of a strategist because she's proven to be kind of a good strategist at this point well, she's learned from the
0: best i think we can get to it when we get to that part in the episode but definitely like i don't think she can trust her i mean i think it was pretty obvious in my eyes at least that you know sansa is not there playing little girly games but at the same time she's pretty straightforward of like the north does not bend and what happens to us at the end of this she's pretty firm on that so I don't know if, I mean, they definitely did a step in the right direction, but I don't know. I don't think there's any allies, you know, going between both of those two. There has to be that intermediate intermediary of John, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, so we look through Winterfell <laughs> and we see that there is literally a stockpile of dragon glass that's been produced. Gendry's literally been working nonstop. He's been smoking crack. He has been doing this for however long. It seems like it's been weeks, but um, it's literally enough to put it on the walls, have every single member of the army have one, have a a tool for Arya that's special made, have some axes that he's made. Like, this guy's going to town.
1: Did you check out his chesticles? Oh, yes. (laughs) (laughs) That was a highlight.
0: Yes, I did. Um, and you know who <coughs> else is checking them out? Is Arya, obviously.
1: Oh yeah. And
0: um, finally, we got confirmation of what we knew was going to happen. A little bit of.
1: I mean, I wasn't ready. Arya is forever going to be seven years old in my eyes.
0: I mean, I little baby girl Arya, like girl your age, that side boob was everything. A little nip, loved it. Loved the scars. Loved how she was like. I'm not the red priestess. Take them pants off. I'm gonna get it. I'm all about it. Strong, independent woman. You're just afraid of it now.
1: She's seven, in my <laughs> eyes.
0: I. She's grown up. I mean, how many people has she killed?
1: Well, I guess she's killed quite a few. But when it comes to non-murder, Arya, she's seven in my this,
0: eyes. This is what's wrong with America. Arya can kill as many people as she wants to, and it's fine. But then she wants to get laid. Oh, disgusting. <laughs> Girl power. This is art. This is beauty. It's a female body with cuts all over it.
1: <laughs>
0: you gotta be down Our, with it.
1: Arya's a cutter.
0: So um we have Bran and Jamie that they're cool, and they're in the Godswood and they're they're talking. And we have some creepiness from Bran. I mean, obviously, Bran's always creepy, but he has a couple things he says and um, there's a couple things he actually says earlier as well. So, we find out that um, he basically doesn't think that they're going to make it, right? He says, how do you know that there's an afterwards?
1: Yeah, I found that interesting. But... I was wondering if it was more like hypothetical. Like, do we still do we know enough about Brand? Does he know the future, or does he just know the past up until now? I think. I think there was a big emphasis this episode on how your past. Remember, Sam had that whole speech about how your past and remembering your past can affect your future.
0: Mm -hmm. I definitely. I think that's more what it is. He's making predictions, and he can see maybe like likely outcomes. But nothing concrete, and I think it's definitely foggy at best for him. and especially with the stuff that has never happened before, right? You have a, a section in here where they're like, well, can the knight's King be burned by dragon fire? Yeah, no one's ever tried. I think that right there is pretty much positive. We don't know what's going to happen. We can only look and see what has happened and make a good guess based off of it.
1: Yeah, but Brand, I thought was nice. He's forgiven Jamie. He said he he wouldn't be who he is today without him, so to speak. He mm-hmm. Bran would still be Bran, and Jamie would still be Jamie. And those things that happened in their past are who made them who they are today.
0: Yeah, definitely. Message. Um then we have Jamie meets with Tyrion and they have a little brotherly chat. And how did you feel about this? Like these brothers being reunited. They're on the same page. I think Jamie has this newfound respect for Tyrion. Tyrion and Jamie have come clean with each other and they're both on the same side right now and they both agree that their sister is basically an evil cunt. Like <laughs> are we are we in love with this? Like do we think this is all going to end happy for them? What's going on?
1: I think a lot of the reunions in this episode <clears throat> show growth between um, the characters and who they were at the beginning of the series and who they are now. Um, this one, especially, they call back to the episode one where Jamie was, you know, the golden lion, and Tyrion was a drunken whoremonger. Mm-hmm. And they talk, they jokingly, or Tyrion jokingly, talks about how simple things were. And, um. Jamie recalls, like, well, uh, I was fucking my sister, so. Yeah. And your only friend was someone who was fucking their sister. So it just goes to show how far that they've come.
0: Oh, yeah, totally. Speaking of how far he's come, then he basically, Jamie, is zoning out and walks away when Tyrion's talking, and it's because he's got eyes for Brienne of Tarth, his only lady that loves him. And, um, He basically walks over and says, hey, like I want to fight underneath you. It's like the boy on the school ground that's like, oh, I I want you so bad. But he's like, oh, I want to hang out with you. I think I like you, but I can't say anything. It's like, Jamie, just say the way you feel.
1: I don't know. Um, You know, I'm the biggest shipper of Brienne and Jamie, but I think it's not so clear to Jamie yet. I don't know. I I feel like Jamie's more of a person that he'll take what he wants, you know? And Oh no.
0: um, I feel like this is all about honor. Right. And he feels like, I think, you know, he's always had this familiar love with his, his sister. Right. And it's just been there all, all this time. It's like juvenile and lusty and it's this, that, and he's actually in love with somebody because of how honorable and what their personality is like. And I think, to go against that, like for him to be like, oh well, I want you, that might take away from her honor, you know. Oh, not only is she, you know, this crazy giant lady, but yet she's also like in love and fucking um, the Kingslayer. Like that's gonna tarnish her reputation, and that's what she has, right? That's what he looks up to. That's what she's always had with him, and I think that's where it's coming from—the hesitation on his side. I Brienne, see. I think, just doesn't want to give into it and admit, like, oh yeah, I am in love with him, because then she can lose him. She's vulnerable.
1: So it sounds like you're saying that Jamie maybe feels like he has something to prove before he can come at her with his true intentions.
0: Um, I'm hoping <clears throat> that we'll get him enough confidence for it. But I just, I don't know if he'll ever feel like he's good enough for her.
1: Um, I think that, um, Brienne, Brienne, Brian, Sansa, 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 Sansa I think that Brienne is really trying to come to terms with how she's feeling about Jamie because a lot of this was callbacks to the beginning of everyone's stories with each other, the relationships, how they started, and then where, how far they've come. And for her, it's been really tumultuous between her and Jamie. She started out as his captor. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of these conversations that they're having with each other, not just in this situation, but in general through the episode they're talking about <clears throat> situations that they've never talked about before or discussed. They just kind of lived through these series through their own specific narratives and them talking about them and, and putting them in the open is giving them an opportunity to really um, kind of feel those emotions and process them. And I think that's what she's doing in this scenario and she's really real realizing that Maybe it's more than just caring about this person as a friend. Maybe there's more to it. Hmm. And I don't know how Tormund's gonna react. Just
0: oh, darn. <laughs> <poor
1: Tormund. laughs> I know.
0: Who gives a shit about that? Anyway? Yeah, I don't. Um, so then we have a scene where Danny's like looking off in the flames, <clears throat> um, which is kind of reminiscent of like Melisandra, like kind of some creepiness. And Jorah comes in and is basically like, Hey, we need to talk about Tyrion. Basically says it starts off like blah 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 and she's like yeah yeah talk shit about Tyrion and then he's like but he's the smartest one here and you need to keep him as king and this is kind of the push that she needs to be like okay we have all made mistakes Cersei's an evil bitch let's see what he can do and um, he also says hey you need to go and talk to Sansa and so she goes and has a one on one with Sansa this starts off so great be- oh
1: my God. Before we get into that, <clears throat> I just want to unpack a little bit of something that I noticed about the Danny and Jora thing. Um, I was trying to, on second watch, I was trying to look at things through Danny's eyes because I think a lot of the times you'll, as you're watching it for the first time, you're just looking at it through one character's eyes at a time. And <clears throat> I hadn't really considered hers, but on rewatch, I was like, you know, Danny really doesn't have a lot of people that she can trust. And that's been throughout the whole series. So, all of these people are having connections and they're having these feelings and emotions with people that they've gotten really close to. Danny doesn't have a lot of that. Mm-hmm. She has John, but he's kind of a new relationship. And she even has like her doubts about him through this episode. First scene, he's like, Yeah, let's let Jamie fight. And she's kind of like, What the fuck? I thought we we're on board with the same opinion with this. But Jora is the one person for her who. Even though they went through their things, Jorah was actually a spy, but he's proven himself. But I think Jorah is the closest to a relationship like that that she has. And she <clears throat> proved how much she considers his opinions to be important by the end of the episode when they're standing around the map. And she basically repeats verbatim what what Jorah had told her about Tyrion. Mm-hmm. And when initially she was like, I don't know what she was going to do with Tyrion. I was like, oh, on that death pool, maybe I should put Tyrion down. Yeah. But by the end of the episode, she's just like, you know, spewing out everything that Jorah said. We need you. We need your brain. You're going to go in the crypt where it's safe.
0: Yeah. Well, I think what it comes <laughs> down to for me is, yes, she doesn't have a lot of people to trust, but every other time we, she's been in a situation where she's with the Dothraki, where she's with the Marine in Slaver's Bay, she's always coming into a situation where she is like light and day like the clear choice. Hey, if I don't want to be a slave, I'm going to go and be with Danny. If hey, if um you know, you're sitting around and we could either, you know, kill a bunch of people and rape some women or follow this lady that was birthed out of the flames. She's the clear choice. Now we're in a situation where she's around the Starks who are literally the most honorable people. The Starks have Basically, I mean, through their honor and like Bran of Tarth's honor, they've converted Jamie Lannister. They've converted Tyrion. They've converted Sir Davos. They've converted, even Jorah has their respect now. And we see all of this. And I think she knows she's losing a lot of these people to this other honor. And right now, they're, they're you know, what they're trying to do is so aligned. But as soon as this is over, I think she knows there's something up. And if you pay attention, in that scene with her and Sansa, she doesn't blink. And for me, I just got I got desperate. I got almost a little crazy. <laughs> I don't know if you felt like that at all. And at, it's like, at what point is it just like, hey, Danny, make a concession. Hey, <clears throat> you know what? I'm in love. At this point, she doesn't know he's Aegon. I'm in love with your brother. I would have been like, hey, you know what? He's going to have equal footing in the kingdom, too. So what's the big deal? But we'll just have to see how that goes. I don't predict it's going to go great. It went about as shitty as it could go for (laughs) going as great as it did to begin with.
1: Well, she did say you know, that all of her life she's had one goal, and that's been to take the Iron Throne. So that puts a little perspective on... Even though she's done these great things, she's free slave, she's, you know, changed. Is that really
0: her only goal, though? That wasn't her goal until she was basically given that choice. That was her brother's goal that entire time. Her goal was to survive.
1: Uh, well, before Drogo died, she was like, we need to get the throne. And he was like, remember he was trying to figure out what a throne was? He, Yeah. Didn't get it.
0: But that's just because her brother died. Before that, she didn't give a shit. She didn't want to marry horse lord. She was just fine with leaving.
1: Yeah. But um after that, that's been her focus. The thing that I thought was notable is that she said that was until she met your you know until I met your brother, she says to Sansa, she's like, now I'm fighting John's War
0: mm-hmm.
1: So totally. <clears throat> I think there's something to say for that, but I do think you're right that up until now, she's been put in this light in these situations where she, was the obvious um, good in that situation. She's freeing slaves. She's, you know, changing people's lives. She's, um, you know, taking people that are thrown away and bringing them into her own.
0: Fold, yeah. Yeah. You know, proof to that point, um, right after this, we have Theon who shows up. And Theon basically comes and is like, oh, hey, um, I know I was fighting with you, Danny, you're great, but um, I actually came here and I I actually, you know, I let my sister do her own thing to come and fight for Sansa, a Stark. So, this is yet again kind of like a reminder this is going to be a war when it comes down to it. When it's all said and done, it's going to be a war of loyalty and honorability. And honestly, Danny doesn't have that in Westeros.
1: Totally. It's the relationships that people. Choose, the family that they choose. And Theon right here is showing that he's choosing to fight with the Starks. So, I don't know, Corey, do you think that there's going to be something that Theon does that's going to redeem him for all the shitty things that he's done?
0: Oh, yeah. I, I think we've talked about this before. He's got to be a sacrifice. I mean, he's going to sacrifice himself for Bran is what it sounds like. Um, but we'll just have to see. Um, we had these shots at the very end where we kind of went through really quick. And we see, like, Arya looking off after, you know, having sex with Gendry. And then we also have this one with Sansa. And um, it's, like, what everyone's doing in their last moments before the battle. And we have Sansa and we have um, Theon. And it it almost makes me feel like there's going to be more, more to come with their relationship. And he's going to sacrifice himself maybe for her. I don't know how that's going to happen. Or if he's going to get a chance to. Maybe he dies before then with Bran. But who knows? Um, we also see someone we see a little gilly and i don't know if this actress is pregnant in real life or if she is pregnant in the show do
1: not fat shame gilly
0: i'm just saying her and sam little sam is old enough there needs to be another little baby on the way for gilly and sam i it just has to happen they've been getting it on i think he deserves a child of his own he's being a great daddy to uh you know this weird incestual craziness. Um, But yeah, I think he deserves a a kind of his own. He'd be a great dad. Um, So we have this um, baby uh, princess Shireen kind of thing where she's like burnt half of her face. And what's interesting is we have, um, we have Davos and we have Gilly. And these are both of the people that, that knew her and we're both like the most shocked that she was burned at the stake. Right. And, this has to be important. I mean, what's your feeling on this? And Me. they talk about you know her being a fighter and that she's going to be in the crypts and that she's going to have to protect Gilly. I think this is my hot take. This little kid is going to be needed down there. She's going to have a little fighting scene because I think the dead are coming back in the crypts of Winterfell and I don't think anyone's safe there. Why do I think this? We have a couple things where we heard, oh, in the preview for the next one, oh, the dead are already here. Well, what does that sound like? Sounds like the Crips are coming a fucking live, motherfucker. What are you thinking now?
1: Totally. Um, I could see that happening. Um, At the very least, I think it's a callback to Princess Shireen because uh, Davos and Shireen had a pretty close relationship. Yep. And this episode is all about relationship. And I think it's just a callback to you know, how far he's come. And he went from being the Onion Knight to working right alongside Stannis, having a relationship with the daughter, getting his fingers cut off. And this little girl is going to represent something to him. So we might see her later in the episode and it might be yeah, something definitely. that he is notable that causes him to have a reaction of some sort.
0: For sure. So then we have um, basically Tormund, Beric Dondarrion, and Ed, everybody from the Night's Watch um, in the Wildlands. They show up. They basically went around the Army of the Dead and there are too many of them it doesn't look good um and basically it's gonna be in the morning when they're here and we have a little bit of a talk everybody is gathered around we figure out what's the plan going to be and we know that there's just no way with the amount of men they have and the amount of people in the undead army that they can defeat them by sheer number they need to go and try to kill the knight's king in order to kill all of the white walkers beneath him now and now, what do you think about this plan? Do you think this is gonna work? Because we really have nothing that will show this. And this is kind of pointed out.
1: Um, you mean as far as that map that they have?
0: Like the hive mind. They're they're saying basically, hey, we can go, we can kill White Walk the Night King, all the White Walkers that he turned are gonna die, so on and so forth. So basically that will kill the entire army. Do we, have any, we don't have any proof for that. So how are you, do you think this is literally as simple as this? And if you that was the case, don't you think the knight's King would be a little bit more guarded?
1: Um, well, I think what they're going by is when they went up north to grab that one white. Yeah, but that back.
0: that's not, I mean, that didn't, that's not the knight's King, right? I mean.
1: But they don't, you're right. They don't have a lot to go by. So it's just kind of like grasping at straws that they do have.
0: Do you really think it's going to be that simple? Like, do if if John walks up and he puts you know Longclaw right into the head of the Night King and he died and every White Walker died, would that be like a oh that's a great ending?
1: Well, I mean, let's hope so. (laughs) Let's hope that that they have something like that, like a Achilles heel that they can slice or cut.
0: It's just it's got to be more complicated. I feel and. We'll, we'll have to see, but um, I'm definitely. It doesn't seem like it's going to be as simple as that. Now, the plan that I do like is Brand's going to wait in the Godswood. We all know that he's linked, and basically you find out that the Knight's King has tried multiple times to kill multiple of the three-eyed ravens. Did we know this before? Because I've never heard of this. I never even knew there were other three-eyed ravens, and. Evidently, it's a thing. Evidently, the Night's King has tried to kill multiple of them, and now he's successfully branded one of them and knows exactly where they are. This cannot be good news, but to me, this sounds like a lot of maybe the purpose of what the Night's King is doing, right? We have this conversation of he's trying to erase the memory. He wants to wipe the site clean for everybody, and the only way he can do that is if he wipes out the memory, and that's what the three, Three-Eyed Raven is. What do you feel about that?
1: Um, I don't know, just, I was just thinking as you were saying that, it's very poetic that that's what he's wanting to do, and the memory is what's happening this entire episode. Here mm-hmm. we are, at Night's King is at our doorstep, he wants to er- erase everyone's memory, but that's exactly what's happening right now, everyone's t- discussing all these things that have happened in the entire story.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So maybe that's why the ne- Night's King is so pissed, he's like, uh-uh. Oh, hell no.
0: Yeah, definitely. This is also uh, a part where we discuss, you know, hey, will will Dragonfire hurt him? And Brand's like, well, it's never happened before, like we were saying a little bit earlier. but
1: I can't believe that that's never happened before. I, I would think in a place where there are dragons, if you're fighting an army of dead ice zombies, that's going to be the first thing you think of is, let me start a fire. Or, hey, I have these incredible beasts that breathe fire.
0: But then no one's ever gotten close enough to the Knights King himself, and there's never been... I mean, the Targaryens are the only ones with dragons, and I don't think they ever gave a shit, because this is just way before their time, typically.
1: How long has it been since the last time... Or has the Knights King ever gone past the wall? This is the first time he's broken yeah, the well, wall. I
0: mean, the Long Night happened, but that was thousands of years ago. and I So it's before the Targaryens were, made yeah, the Targaryens it to were Westeros. Yeah, like, 600 years ago at the most. Do 300 years ago.
1: But do when this happens, has it ever gotten all the way to Essos, or is it just strictly a Westeros?
0: I don't know if we know that for sure, but there are legends over there, so we kind of think of that. But That's a
1: good reason to move to Essos. I'd be like, yeah, you know what? <laughs> Forget this. Like, uh, seven kingdoms, y'all can have yeah, it.
0: Yeah, hang out with them. I'm gonna go ba- over there.
1: We'll go back to Marine John. Come join me if you want.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I mean, little daiquiris on the beach. Um, so then we have a scene that. I feel almost like they put in, because of last week's uh, feedback, but we get a whole three seconds of Ghost, like he's been there the whole motherfucking time. I loved it. I mean, I do too, but come on.
1: I didn't even notice Ghost the first time I watched. (laughs) The second time I was like, wait, ghost." Ghost!
0: Yeah it's I just like could we not have gotten one shot of that in the last one it's not like it would have been any crazier they could have shot the same freaking shot like just put cgi right there like oh there he is
1: you think nightmare is gonna come join the reunions and be like oh ruff, 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 ruff.
0: Uh, i mean <laughs> that would like... have past them all i know is at least we got one dire wolf where he's gonna be on the action at least I can breathe easy.
1: Well, if you think people are going to come back from the crypts, there are direwolves down there, too. Yeah. I don't know if you noticed in those statues.
0: You know, another thing with those direwolves, though, is they are supposed to guard the dead from coming back alive. That's kind of like a legend, I think. Oh. So who that's knows? Maybe they, I didn't know. Maybe they won't come back alive. I could be making part of that up, but I know that <laughs> there's something with the direwolves and they're either guarding the dead or guarding the dead from coming back to life or something like that. So... Could be interesting to see what happens with that as well. And remember, like, there's not a whole lot of uh Diet Wolves down there. There might be a couple, but I think that was pretty much a legend for quite a while. Um, So then we have Tyrion and Jamie and they, they start this kind of drinking right before the battle. And they're having a heart-to-heart, and, you know, basically we have everyone... Come on in. Come in by the fire. Let's sing a song. It's a let's,
1: fireside chat.
0: Let's have a little sleepover, and I'll get a little drunk. Brianna tries kind of acting like everyone's mom, but everyone's like, "Ah, oh, you can drink a little bit more wine. It's fine, Pod." Oh, okay, yeah. Let's uh, let's do this. Oh, hey, Tormund, uh, you gonna get shit faced and tell a story about how you uh, suckled at a giant's breast for three months? Okay, why not? And we have this great bonding experience, and it's like, I've I've wanted this for so long. I'm I'm so glad it happened, even if it wasn't. Full of action. It It needed to happen.
1: Took eight seasons, but we got there.
0: Um, Speaking of all of this, we also have Arya and the Hound. And um, they have a moment of mutual understanding. Like, I don't feel like they're like so buddy-buddy, but both of their personalities aren't like that, right? And I feel like they're both here because they have to be here because it's what they were made to do. They don't enjoy it. They're not here because they're really honorable people. They're here because it's what they're meant to do. Um,
1: both of their characters came such a long way from where they first were. I think both of them started in a position that would be inconceivable for them to be in the position they are now. Arya started out as a little girl, and now she's a cold-blooded killer. The Hound <clears throat> started off as a cold-blooded killer, and now he's a little more human. So I think... They've both kind of met in the middle and they've both kind of taught each other a lot of who they are now um, along the way. And so I do think it's more of a strong relationship than either of them want to admit. Um, And I think it's going to uh, be showcased more as the end of the season approaches.
0: Yeah, definitely. We have this great moment where um, the hound basically says, I fought for you, didn't I? And I think this is finally like him, at least admitting that there was more into that. We knew he had more with Sansa too, his little bird, you know. And then with Arya, obviously, he tracked her across the entire continent. And well, we knew about this.
1: Arya, in talking to the Hound, says, "I guess I've changed, haven't I?" And she kind of questions him and his. Uh, motives for being there and she's like since when have you ever fought for anyone besides yourself and that's when he says well i fought for you didn't i and that's Mm -hmm. essentially the hound saying i love you little girl as much as he'll ever say that exactly so i i thought it was touching like uh, for me that part was like probably a strong second to the brian and jamie stuff
0: yeah, I can see that. It was a good scene. I don't know if it was my favorite. I think part of it is just knowing that these are two two people that maybe they have a... They're essentially the same, but they have maybe had a flipped you know, perspective. Like Arya started out with a soul and being honorable and all that, and now she's kind of a cold-blooded killer. And then we had uh, the Hound, who's basically a cold-blooded killer who kind of gained a little bit of a soul along the way, but still they both see the reality of this. And anybody who can see... The signs, they know this doesn't look good. They know that they are probably on the way out. So basically, we have enough of this conversation. And she's like, you know what? I'm going to go hang out and do some practice. She's shooting some arrows, being a badass. And here comes Gendry. And he has finally finished this weapon. Now, this weapon doesn't look like a whole hell of a lot. It really just looks like a spear to you, to me. It looks like it has a removable head, like her drawing. So that's cool, I guess. But really, doesn't look too complicated. But then we get into the... The dirty stuff. I know. I know you hated it because she's your little girl, Arya. But was this going to happen any other way?
1: Well, I guess there's one way to show you that you're not a little girl anymore. Very Britney Spears fashion. Thank you, Aria, for the trauma that you've induced into my life. But more telling than anything, at the end of that, you see Gendry passed out sleeping and Aria like gazing in like disappointment. <laughs> I guess it's not disappointment, but oh, I don't... isn't that so cliche? That's like everyone's first time. Like that was it.
0: I didn't read it like that.
1: Oh, I did. She's seven. Mm-hmm.
0: No, I think she she's was seven years old. Corey. She was all into that, but I think her staring off is her. I mean, it's what I said before. Her and the Hound know what's coming. This is her waiting for death, and she's eager to see as many faces. And it doesn't matter, you know, her losing her virginity in the, all the, the, you know the grand scheme of things is just a little thing. If you were to ask Sansa, hey Sansa, how important was losing your virginity?
1: I think songs is well, a bad example.
0: <laughs> <laughs> exactly. You know what I mean? And in, in the end of, you know, all of this, it seems like such a big deal at the time, but really, if you put it into perspective, it's such a small little blip. And at the end of the day, everyone's looking like they're gonna die. And so, yeah, she met with Gendry and it was beautiful and they had their first love, but she's staying awake because she knows what's coming and she knows that there's a possibility that everybody that she knows and loves is gonna die.
1: Do you think Brian will get a chance to? Lay with Jamie.
0: No, I I almost feel like, I mean, and they they could, but I almost feel like one of them is going to die in this coming episode or the episode after that because it sounds like these are going to be big
1: battles. I'll tell you who's definitely going to die after today's episode. One of the reunions that we didn't talk too much about, Grey Worm and Masande. Oh, yeah, Um, for sure. Let's talk about that for a second because Grey Worm did everything, including promise her, that he would take her to North, and he would protect her. Oh, yeah. Um, Pretty much the kiss of death. And then he he then he hauls off with the army of the Unsullied, which I don't know Front if Front of he, the line. Yeah. We were looking... Cory and I were looking at the map. We paused it, and we we're looking at it, and we we're like, oh, cool. There's the Unsullied right there in the dead center of everything.
0: Yeah, like kiss, always.
1: Kiss your ass goodbye, Grey Worm.
0: Yeah, seriously. You know, that, I mean... We we knew this was coming, right? I mean, I've been calling this for since season six. Like,
1: we haven't had any deaths in the first two episodes, aside for poor little Ned Umber. Yeah,
0: I mean, I I definitely think that he is gonna die. I don't feel like there's a whole lot of meat to that relationship. I mean, I get
1: it. A whole lot of meat, (laughs) but.
0: I, I don't. I, I don't feel like there's a lot of substance to it. It's kind of forced together. I feel like it's, it's um you know, the Double D is kind of pairing people off and being like, oh, look at all these people and what they have to lose. So the deaths mean a little bit more. Um, but I think it's that's doomed. Okay, so let's get back to um actually we have a scene that we are skipping over and we talked about it a little bit. But we have our awesome Brienne of Tarth, the the namesake of the episode, A Knight of the Seven Kingdoms. And this is because Brienne gets knighted. And this is just such an awesome um scene because we have so many people that are around her that are people that are misfits but that have basically overcome everything that's been thrown against them and we have kind of the king of the misfits we have jamie nighting brienne and this is also kind of like their own like intimate they're not having sex but this is like him being like hey like i'm giving you what i know you've always needed and i have the utmost respect for you and the the most, uh, the biggest way I can show you that is to knight you. And this is everything she's ever wanted. And it, it. I could not help but just like cry like a little baby.
1: And the symmetry to that scene is that here is Jamie, who's known as the Kingslayer among the Seven Kingdoms, is giving this honor to the most honorable person that he knows, Brienne. And uh, if you look around at that audience, it's all of these people. From different points in their life that have all joined together at this very same time that are kind of symbolic of the Seven Kingdoms. We have Torment, who's you know a wildling. We have um, Tyrion Pod, the Onion Knight. We have just these this fabulous cast of like Corey was saying misfits in their own way, but here they are all assembling for the greater good of this of the Seven Kingdoms.
0: Right, she's the night that's going to go down in history. So then we have a Mormont reunion, and this is just like a little bit of like, oh yeah, remember how uh, Jorah is actually in the Mormont family, and this is his, it's his cousin. Yeah, his cousin. And it's it's just a little like, all the Mormons are like they're very stubborn. And then we have Sam who steps in, and he's like, hey, I need to talk to Jorah. And you know, we've really built up this relationship between Sam and Jorah. That's great. And we have this awesome. Scene where he basically is giving away his family ancestral sword and he's giving it to Jorah. And I just thought it was, this was awesome.
1: Yeah, well, it's notable that the relationship that Sam and his father had was a tumultu- tumultuous one. To say the least. To say the least. And so he took that sword from his father, but um, Jorah was kind of robbed of that sword from his father, Gior, who gave it to John. And their relationship was also just as tumultuous. And now here we have Sam giving his sword to Jorah. So it's just this beautiful circle, I think.
0: Yeah, definitely. You know, this does feel a little bit like a goodbye, though, to me from Sam to Jorah. And I can't help but feel like Jorah might be sacrificing himself using the sword we know valerian steel is great against white walkers this might be a situation where he's going to save danny he's going to save somebody else he's going to leap in the line of battle and he's going to sacrifice himself
1: or what if we have him drop the sword in battle he's wounded or killed and then sam picks it up that gets could it be back. Too.
0: or there's always the possibility maybe we'll fuse them back together and get a big old ice again Probably or
1: not. maybe maybe the night king takes the sword and kills everybody <laughs> Uh, I don't
0: can he even touch
1: it uh, I don't know um so then we have this
0: great song um Jenny would dance with her ghost and this song is great I love that pod was the one that was singing it he has a great voice to me and we can go over the lyrics here in a second but I think that I know that these lyrics are pointed I think we're supposed to think It's pointed towards, oh, all these people coming together, these long lost friends, people that we don't even know their names anymore because it's been such a long time. But we remember all the memories we have with them. I get a feeling that this is kind of a little creepy and it's coming going to be playing this next episode. Maybe I think we're going to get people in the crypts coming alive.
1: I can see how you would think that. Oh, yeah. But I think it's going to be the soundtrack of the next episode when we see our heroes dying in the battlefield. I think it's going to ring true. Uh, Jenny dancing with her ghosts. You know, these people, a lot of them may turn into ghosts this next episode. Not everyone's going to make it. Definitely not. And so some of these conversations we may not realize will be the last that will be had. And so these conversations are ones that need to be happening because they wouldn't happen under normal circumstances. And that's the way that people are dealing with their mortality. People deal with facing death in different ways. You know, Arya is going headstrong into it. She's not scared. The hound kind of the same thing, but these other people, Tyrion, Samwell, those are people that deal with it a lot differently. And, you know, It's kind of like saying your piece before you go out there because you don't know who's coming back.
0: Yeah, definitely. Now, do you have those lyrics so we can go ahead and read them here really quick?
1: So I have the lyrics right here, and the lyrics go, High in the halls of the kings who are gone, Jenny would dance with her ghosts The one she had lost and the one she had found and the ones who had loved her the most. The ones who'd been gone for so very long she couldn't remember their names. They spun her around on a damp, cold stone Spun away all her sorrow and pain.
0: Yeah, I don't. I know. I know what you're getting at, and I think it's it's definitely like a double meaning here. But damp, cold stone, especially it being Easter right now, the thing I'm just thinking of is tomb, right? Damp, cold stone, and the ones that we've loved, the ones that we've lost, the ones that we forgot their names. Like this, to me, is just screaming the crypts of Winterfell coming alive. So we'll have to see in this next episode. We'll see if I'm right. I could be completely wrong, but I have a feeling there's gonna be some dead bodies coming along. And we're gonna hear a little bit of that song again. It's gonna be like the reigns of Casper we're here at like no. 15 times. <laughs> so then we have our one of our basically final scenes, and this is where John is coming clean with Danny. And you know, we knew this was coming. I'm very surprised John didn't throw out a little bit of, but by the way, hey, I'm not interested in your throne because we know this isn't John's character. John doesn't want the throne. Are you having any other impression besides the fact that he he's not gonna want it? And if he does, like, oh well, we can deal with it later.
1: Well, had Danny not jumped into this relationship, maybe she'd know him a little bit better to know that like the last person who's gonna want the throne is gonna be John. Mm-hmm. But looking at it from Danny's perspective, um, she's had the wool pulled over her eyes multiple times in this series from the beginning, from Mary Mazdoor, who she thought was she was saving and ended up killing her husband to Jorah, who was her trusted advisor, and then she found out he was a spy. So she's got a little bit of PTSD, I think, from all these moments, and she thinks that maybe the rug's getting pulled out from under her with John too. Maybe she thinks, you know, that, oh my gosh, this has happened so many times, and now it's Jon. He's, he's known this all along. He's wanted to come after the Iron Throne. You know, she's got to have all these suspicions, and...
0: Well, and I think she's a little bit of a paranoid delusional, just like her father, the Mad King. We see how everything is kind of slipping away from her a little bit. And that's why I think it's just ridiculous that John didn't have a moment of, hey, I'm not here for the throne. I'm not here to fight you. I'm here together and we'll figure this out. We're brother, you know, not brother and sister, but (laughs) you're my aunt and I'm your, I'm your nephew. Like we are family. Like, and I also am in love with you. And this is Crazy feelings but at the end of the day like I'm here to work together I'm not here to pull a Cersei Lannister on you so I'm I'm bummed he didn't say that but of course before we get any reaction at all from Danny, besides just a stare and a panic look we get three blasts on that horn and the White Walkers are here we do a shot now this was actually in the teaser that we did which had a lot of views from you guys and it's this White Walker's horse we kind of go up and we see There's a general White Walker, and we kind of pan to the left, and oh my god, there's actually like 30 or 40 of them. So this answers our question, what was happening to Craster's sacrificial male sons? Well, it looks like they are becoming these White Walker generals. Before, we thought maybe there was just always 10 of them. That's all we ever really saw. Nope there is definitely a shit ton of them and they are coming for Winterfell and it's going to be an epic battle to say the least. And that's the end of the episode. So we have a whole lot going on here. Um, I do have a couple of questions that I guess I didn't have a natural point to bring up. And some of them are kind of just a little bit of tidbits um, and some of them are a little bit more intense, but we did answer a lot of my questions. So I'm just going to jump in and tell me what you think of now. So my first kind of question, not the most important one, but what, and where, and who, and why, is Mira Reed, where, where the hell is she?
1: Mira who? Mira Reed. I'm just kidding. Girl! I have not thought about Mira, but let me tell you what, if I carried your ass around Bran Stark, and then at the end you dismissed me and said, I'm the three-eyed raven, thank you for your service, see you later, you wouldn't see me ever again i might have joined the uh army of the knights
0: king i mean that's what i'm almost feeling like are we gonna see Mira Reed when she pops up in the dead army because how far away was her ancestral home from um you know the umbers
1: mm. i don't know
0: we'll have to see um so that one I, w- I think was a little bit interesting i heard someone else bring that up and i was like oh my god yeah seriously where is she she just kind of popped out the story um we already discussed is gilly pregnant my guess is 100%. And if she isn't, then that actress is pregnant. Well, or something.
1: Danny wants to pull a Kardashian and she's like, I ain't having this baby. Look at this body. It looks too good.
0: <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it. Um, So we already talked about how Danny and John, you know, is this, do you think this is really as big of a deal as they're making us believe? I have a feeling this is a red herring. Like this is going to be solved right away in the next one. Like I said, all we got to have is, a quick little line of I'm not interested in the throne. Bingo bango we're done.
1: Or a quick little line of Knights King killing Danny.
0: I mean, if it happens, it happens. I'm not gonna rule it out.
1: If Let's we if we die, we die, but first we live. Hashtag um Igret.
0: <laughs> um we also have you know where Jorah um convinces Danny to keep Tyrion as hand of the king. He obviously needs to prove himself and he needs to do it sooner than later. We only have four episodes left and I would think it would be during this big battle. That's usually where Tyrion proves his worth. What do you think he's going to be doing in this next battle that's going to save his ass and everybody else's? And do you think it's tied to my prediction about the Crips?
1: I think he's going to have to prove himself by showing himself that he, by proving himself to Danny that he is worth it, that his smarts and his brain are worth keeping around and i think he's going to do that by being in the crypts and coming up with some amazing uh strategy that no one's really considered and mm. i think um if samuel actually listens to john and goes down to the crypts as well to maybe protect gilly or protect uh little sam or whatever i think having all the knowledge from the citadel meeting all Tyrion's knowledge will be like surefire way to have some great idea or plan come up.
0: We need to have something because it's not looking good. Um, okay, here's another one. So we have Sansa and we have Danny. Now, do you think we made any progress with this conversation or do you think this relationship is actually more fraught than it was to begin with? Did Sansa dig a little bit more of a hole here by bringing up the North?
1: I thought Sansa did everything she could to be honest with Danny. Um, Danny gave the option to Yara. Oh yeah, you're asking, so I'll give it to you about the Iron Islands. Yeah. Danny is um, getting the same kind of feedback from Sansa. She's saying, Hey, this is our ancestral home. We took it back. You know, when this war is over, what about Winterfell? Can we have that? I don't know why Danny's acting so weird now.
0: I think it's like I said, I think everything's just slipping through our fingers. She's paranoid, she's getting a little bit of mad queenie. I I think we just need we need to have little conversations here, but I, I can't help but feel like all of us is just little seeds being planted in our heads that are either going to be huge, crazy plot flowers or they're going to be weeds that are we're trying to dig through to get to the actual plot. And it seems so easy. It's just a bit of dialogue. Like, hey, you know what? Obviously, like John and I are family now. OK, cool. Throw in a scene where oh, now now that we're family, you have this. I'll give you the north. John, oh, you don't want the crown? Okay, well, I'll give you the North to rule. There's a Targaryen in the North. There's a Targaryen ruling the other kingdoms. Bingo, bango, we're done. Seems easy to me. So I don't know. I feel like they're they're trying to lead us on, but I'm not sure. Um, okay. So the other one that I have here, <laughs> I just don't know. What is Brand's plan besides just waiting in the Godswood for the Night's King to come and attack him? There has to be something else.
1: As far as I'm able to get in predicting what's gonna to happen to Bran, just imagining Theon protecting Bran and how great he did at protecting Yara on the ship where he was like looking around and then he just jumps off the Oh my bed. god,
0: seriously. I think we're done with that though. I don't I really do feel like I don't think it's looking good for Theon. Let's put it that way.
1: Theon's gotta die. Theon Fionn and Grey Worm number one predictions for death next oh, episode. For sure, for but sure. I but I do like what you said during the episode about cutting Bran's arm off and using it as bait. <laughs> just taking a nail, nail it to that weirwood. Night's King gotcha, goes in there. Arya just comes in with her sword or uh, dragon glass or Valyrian steel, a cat spa, anything. <laughs> yeah, just harpoon him. Yeah, I'm all about it.
0: Now, Anel, I know we've talked about a little bit about this in private, but have I ever gone full crazy detail on the different colors of dragon glass?
1: No, I've never heard about that.
0: Okay. So now this is something that I've I've been on Reddit and I've seen a couple things. So do you remember when we were in Hartholm and we had a bag of all the dragon glass and it was dropped kind of inside of the hut and we went to go back there? I think John was going to grab it. And then we had a white walker come through the roof and it was like, not going to be able to get that yeah yeah if you freeze frame on that there is a piece of dragon glass instead of the normal black obsidian glass it's actually green and people pointed this out and this is kind of a bigger deal so then we have the second part of this where we're in the citadel and we're looking through books with sam and someone freeze framed on the other side of the page and i think it's the same one as cat's paw and this was kind of a big deal remember we saw cat's paw we're like oh my god this is crazy well there's a part of it that says hey, uh, there were different colors of dragon glass, and they were used for different things and they have medicinal properties. So the theory is that just like Benjen Stark, remember Benjen, he was turning into a white walker and supposedly the three-eyed raven prevented that by using obsidian on him. Okay. Where the thought is maybe it was a different color of obsidian. So I'm sure the, the theory goes a little bit deeper than that, but maybe this is what Bran has up his sleeve. I have to think there's something going on here besides him literally just waiting his bait. Because that seems real dumb. And if that's all we have brand for, is literal bait, I'm going to not like this show. <laughs> <laughs> all the staring, all the weirdness, all of the rolling around, disappearing for seasons, just to be bait.
1: Hodor breaking his back. Yeah, no. Poor Hodor, uh, there literally. Has, there has to be some payoff for this.
0: Yeah, I, I'm just not sure. I'm wondering maybe that we're going to have something with time. You know, that'd be cool, too. Like, he lures him into the God's Wood, and he pops on that tree really quick. And as he's there, he, like, goes back in time and prevents something like that. He's like, Children of the Forest, don't do it. Who knows? Um, and with that, we also have this talk of the other Three-Eyed Ravens. Now, did you realize there were other Three-Eyed Ravens? I guess I knew, like, this was a succession thing. But I never really knew that this was, like, a line of, like, oh, I'm the Three-Eyed Raven, the 16th of my name. I never thought of that.
1: I guess it makes sense. I mean, they, there has to be someone to patch, pass the torch unless this, these are invincible beings once they become the Three-Eyed Raven where they just last forever.
0: Yeah, definitely. I mean, are we thinking all the Three-Eyed Ravens? Because the originally Three-Eyed Ravens, I thought, were actually children of, of the forest. So... um I mean, right? Because those were the people that originally worshipped those uh those trees.
1: Well, they all have the green sight, but I think only the most powerful of them become the three eyed raven.
0: Hmm. And but originally, but originally the the children of the force were the ones that um, worshipped these trees. That was their religion. They used them for that purpose. They carved the faces. So one would think that they would start with them. Um. But I guess that's not really important. What I really just don't understand is. If we have these other three-eyed ravens, and the Nights King has tried to kill them before, and this obviously is a big plot point and it's a huge deal, like wouldn't they have tried to like let some other people down in Westeros know about this? Like, I don't know. It just send a couple dreams, like, "Hey, Um, White Walkers are coming. Help brother out." Like
1: they, I mean they they should have, but you know, then again, what if it negatively affects time? Like the whole whole horror thing
0: yeah definitely. who knows
1: well well i guess we'll find out next episode once they kill Theon.
0: <laughs> god seriously well that brings it into my two generic questions that i like to ask pretty much every episode um especially in season eight who's gonna die next Who's your, who's your money on? And remember, at home, you guys can play this game with us as well. If you go ahead and rate and review us on iTunes and send us an email telling us who you think next week is going to die, if you're right, you're entered in for a drawing for a Funko Pop of Game of Thrones, and we will send
1: it anywhere in the world that you live. Here's a little hint. Theon. <laughs> um, my money is on Grey Worm, but you know, the more I talk about Theon... I'm leaning <laughs> towards that as well, but I'm gonna say I'm gonna say Grey Worm, and then also Theon. I like I like both of those. I think those are strong hints. Um, if we had
0: to have somebody a little bit more main character-y right now, a little bit of uh, skin in the game, who are you gonna say?
1: Uh, Theon.
0: Oh come on, we got. What do you mean? Okay, here I'm to give. It's <clears> not
1: a... gonna be Jamie, so just get that out of your pretty little head.
0: Okay, all I'm saying is we had the scene. We got Brienne of Tarth knighted. I think either Brienne or Jamie are on their way out. I don't know if it's this next episode, though. I will say Let that. me
1: just tell you this. We still have a little prophecy called the Valencar. Yeah. and that is why I'm saying for sure Jamie is not dying.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. Or we'll wait We'll have to wait on that, but if we have uh, Brienne of Tarth die, I will cry even more than I did when she was knighted, and I probably will not be waking up the next day to go to work, so... FYI, just letting everybody know that works.
1: Save okay. your bereavement, people. We will be here <laughs> for you next week.
0: rough. Um, okay, what was your favorite scene?
1: Brianne. Brianne and Jamie, 100%. 100% mine
0: too. Do we have a second favorite, though?
1: Uh, second favorite, I would say, is the Hound and Arya. They they like were able to say some things that um I think needed to be said and they had um not said in the previous episode. Well,
0: you know I have something to say that hasn't been said. I think you're a fucking pro because it was Gendry and Arya, that scene. I've been saying this was going to happen to this entire time. I love that it happened.
1: I feel like I need it to be on to catch a predator after watching that. Like oh I feel like I want some lemonade and I'm gonna come around the corner and it's gonna be it,
0: I mean, we've been around this news. amount of time. Like obviously this had to happen eventually. Like it's like Sansa, geez. I mean, we were seeing her getting raped like three seasons ago. It's consensual sex. <laughs> like what gosh. can you do?
1: Um, that's all
0: I had. Did you have anything you wanna throw in really quick?
1: Um, no, I just I'm really excited for next week's episode um i'm gonna have lots of tissue i'm we're gonna be here for you too people next week to talk about all the things that have happened that haven't happened yet but i think a lot of what we saw today in the reunions and the talks and chats that people had we may not realize yet but this may be the last uh talks that some of these characters ever have
0: oh for sure um you know i gotta just mirror your sentiment Like We will be there for you guys. If you guys have anything you need to work through as far as your Game of Thrones characters dying, any theories you think are coming up, go ahead and send them to us. Um, We appreciate all your guys' feedback. I know I talked about it at the entry point of the episode, but we just want to thank you guys from the bottom of our hearts. This is more of a critical reception than we thought we would ever have. And every one of you that listens to us, every one of you that subscribes to us, that just shows us your support, and it allows us to continue on. Um, Nell and I have decided that we are going to attempt to release every episode at least um, the following day so that way you have it Monday morning bright and early on your way to your commute on your lunch break or on your drive home that way you can discuss Game of Thrones and you don't have to talk to all the people around the water cooler that don't know anything about Game of Thrones they're the ones that are like oh yeah um, she's his brother or sister or I, I don't know what's their relationship what's a Targaryen you don't even have to bother it you can talk with us um, but with that, remember to subscribe. Send us who you think's going to die for our death pool. Remember, hold your loved one close. And we will see you guys next week. As always, I'm Corey. And I'm Anel. And stay perfectly honest. We'll see you guys next time.